In case y'all didn't recognize, that was uh, Miss Melinda Vickery and cool new glasses, and so on. <laughs> Did she hear that? Or... Okay. <laughs> All right. I, um... Well, we might get out of here early tonight. You know, that's the most dangerous words to ever hear from a preacher, isn't it? Yeah, anytime, anytime you hear a preacher say, I, I plan on being short tonight, uh, you just, what that means is, is I don't have a lot prepared, <laughs> which means is I'm a wing it, and when we get into winging it, right. we go everywhere. Uh, and so, no, we're not going to do that tonight. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, marriage tonight, Amen. And, uh, and no, I'm not going to tell you how you can get out of it. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about marriage tonight. 
Um, honestly, I, I don't know how well I'll do with it, but I learned from my, uh, my preacher, uh, Brother Howes, long, long time ago that, you know, there's uh, the whole the thing about preaching, preaching, it's a balance. You're trying to bring a balance to everything that you do, and, and so... Uh, uh, and so that's what I'm really trying to do, trying to go into a balance. I, I, you know, I can real easily just go into, uh, I guess you'd, um, traveling preaching, you know, just uh, come and just rip, rant, snort, and holler, and throw a fit. Uh, but uh, that's not the balance I need. I, that's going to happen, but it's not the, the total balance that we need. And so uh, I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. And uh, just to let you know, uh, men, uh, as soon as we conclude tonight, and it's good that we probably will have a minute or two, but we're, I'd like to, the men that want to, willing to, uh, we're going to uh, bring, Brother Cummins is already up here, but we're going to uh, uh, pray for him, anoint him and pray for him tonight. Uh, he's you know, prayed about it, made a decision. They were wanting to go in Tuesday, I think, and take out a tumor. Is that right? Uh, and so, but... But he's having a lot of uh, lung problems, breathing problems, and so they're just saying, we're not going to do it, not going to do it right now. So we really need to pray. Uh, you, know, you don't have to go to the hospital to have surgery. God can do the surgery. And so uh, uh, God can take care of it. And so we're just going to follow the Lord and his principles and his teaching. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says this, but the end of all things is at hand. So we're talking about marriage. <laughs> you didn't get that, did you? The end of all things is at hand. Um, no, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Now, uh, I know that this is not the direct application, you know, for, for uh, about marriage, but I don't know why these same principles wouldn't fit in marriage. Uh, and, you know, if, if God wants us to treat other people outside the home, outside of marriage a certain way, you would sure think that he would want us to treat people inside the home that way. And, said, and he said, uh, be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. So first of all, uh, God says, you know, if you're really going to have a strong marriage, and, and I know I've got a lot of young ones in here, and, and, you know, just that's part of the reason I'm doing it, because it, it'd really be good if, if we started things right rather than having to be in a mess and try to get them right. And so uh, uh, that's what we're trying to do. But he says, you know, so we need to make sure that prayer becomes a very vital part of the marriage. And, and if it's going to become a vital part of the marriage, it has to be a vital part of your life before it ever gets into the marriage. And so and he says, above all things, that's amazing. Above everything else, he said. Now watch this now. He just mentioned prayer. And it's, it's kind of uh, amazing in my mind. He says, watch unto prayer. And then he says, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Uh, fervent charity. Man, that's, that's an incredible emphasis there. Charity is, is love in action. It said, you know, like, I had a guy who was, used to come to the college, you know, a long, long time ago. He's been pastoring a long time. But he would, he would always say, you love you, man. Love you, man. Love you, man. Love you, man. And one day I just stopped him and I said, hey, time out, brother. Love is more than a word. Love is an action, not a word. Okay? Saying it means nothing. Are you really loving anybody? And so, uh, uh, so it's fervent, though, this intense, this burning charity among yourselves. And, and 
Wow, would that be good if a married couple had that? I guess not. All right, so fervent charity among themselves. And he says, for charity, watch this now. Why is it so fervent? And why is it so important that it's fervent charity among ourselves? He says, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Um, Anybody ever notice that your spouse has weaknesses? (laughs) You're the only one with courage. Or are you a fool? All right. (laughs) Uh, Now, look, we all have weaknesses, but here's the thing. You know where you're going to notice them the most? At home. I mean, you live with each other. You know, you, you look, to come here to church, I put on deodorant. Amen. When I go cut my grass at home, come kiss my wife, I don't have on deodorant. And, and, and I always thought she was just swooning from my kiss. No, she's passing out from the stink. <laughs> but, you know, we, we just, we kind of drop our guard at home. And, and truthfully, home's supposed to be home, you know. I mean, uh, you don't need to see me all the time at home. Uh, you know, because when I'm at home, I'm at home, and I'm going to be casual, and I'm going to be comfortable, and, 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 and so, but we, we end up hurting each other. We end up saying things. We end up doing things. We end up failing each other, and it's amazing, though, if you have this fervent charity, this fervent charity, God says, it'll cover it up. You don't really look for the weaknesses. You don't, you're not looking for the sins. You're not, you know, you, you, those things are not uh, uh, there. And, but anyway, in the verse 9 it says, because this is not my message, I ain't even got to my message, but use hospitality one to another without grudging. Use hospitality. You know, the, the word hospitality uh, is really to entertain strangers. Now, if God wants us to entertain strangers, have hospitality, basically where you open your door, open your life, invite people in, try to do for other people, uh, be good to other people that way. You know, if, if God wants you to do that with people from who come to your home, wouldn't he want you to do that with people in your home? Amen. So uh, I believe these verses greatly affect marriage. Then you go to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Look at Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It's going to be another verse that does not have a direct application to marriage, but I think it's so important to the marriage. He says, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You know, when I look at this, I think, you know, if that's what God does for us, boy, wouldn't it be a good thing if I, as a husband, I treated my wife that way? Thoughts of peace and not of evil. That I really, I I just wanted to think good. You know, I need to be that way about about my children. You know, they, they, they were normal kids. You know, and it took me a while to figure out that my children were going to be normal. You know what I mean? When, when they first come along, you man, you just, you just, you're so worried that they got to do everything just right or, or, you know, man, I, and, and I, I still remember when Heather, she, uh, at four years old, Joe Beth brought her to me because Joe Beth had gone shopping and Heather had stolen some little necklace or something from the, 
from the store, and I absolutely about lost my mind, you know, because I'd reared a kleptomaniac. I mean, you know, she's, this, we're done. I mean, she's just going to be a thief the rest of her life. She's just going to be, you know, I mean, just, and, and I felt that way until I remembered that I, spo- I stole Kool-Aid when I was four years old. And so, uh, and, and, but there's something that will, will, will drive that from you. And so my dad knew what it was. And so uh, it's called a tree. And so now, all right, so these are just kind of just thoughts where I, where I wanted to just throw out there and say, you know, throughout the Bible, there are a lot of things that we say, well, that's what God's saying, and this is about this situation. Now, the truth is there are principles that if you really want to apply them, you need to bring everything home. Christianity needs to come in our door while nobody else is there. Christianity needs to be, it will solve a whole lot of things. So what I'm going to do real, real quickly, maybe, uh, is 10 rules to help make your marriage stronger. Amen? Amen. Ten rules to make your marriage stronger. And uh, no, no order here. It's just some thoughts I put down. Uh, number one, this is, this is one of these things that began in our marriage and really made a difference in our marriage and, and uh, helped us through all the, the imperfections of my wife. And so, uh, uh, you didn't get that, did you? Anyway, uh, she's, not, she's not here, so I can say these things. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 Uh, tells us to not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 26. And so here's the the principle, here's the thing that will make your marriage stronger. Make it clear, make make sure that you clear the air before you go to bed. Don't go to bed at night angry. Don't let the day end angry. Don't Don't do that. One day becomes two and becomes three and becomes a week and two and three weeks. And all of a sudden, you haven't talked to each other. All you do is walk in the door, walk out of the door. You walk past each other. You say, how could that happen? Because one day became two. Take care of it tonight. Amen. When you get mad at each other on the way home from church tonight, Man, you people look at me like this never happens to you. I'm looking at you, Brother Feldman. So, all right. Now, take care of it. Get it taken care of. And, and look, you know what it takes to get it taken care of? It's not being right. It's being humble. Humbling yourself and saying, I'm sorry. And you say, I didn't do anything wrong. And I understand that, fellas. We haven't. But the, uh, I, you know what I mean? Jay, come on now. I'm with you. Be there with, don't be afraid. Stand up. Uh, <laughs> She's looking at him like, don't you even try. All right. Now, the fact is, is that, that you just got to be willing to say, I'm sorry. And here's what we're sorry about. I'm sorry that we've had a conflict. I'm sorry that it went this way. I'm sorry that I said something stupid. I'm sorry that I didn't react the way you want. I'm sorry that I sat here for the last 30 minutes and didn't talk to you. You know, because that's, that's what we do. And it's, an, it's amazing. I was getting ready to walk out the door this morning. And, 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 and I am not a morning person. Okay? So if you see me in the morning and I'm not talking to you, it's not really you. Although it may be, but the, uh, but I, I'm just not. And so 
I went through, you know, we, we stayed upstairs. My dad stayed in our room, so all my stuff's everywhere and different things. I got in late last night, and I'm tired from preaching several times and traveling and all this. And so I got up this morning, and I'm just kind of going through the motions. My eyes are bloodshot and red, and I got on my, on my clothes, and, and, and uh, I just said, bye. And I'm walking out the door, and she just kind of looked at me, and I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, I just hoped that you'd, we'd be able to maybe sit and have a cup of coffee and talk. I looked at her, I got to go. You know, that's not a great situation. It's sure a good thing she was coming to be Mary Hart. Uh, you know, the fact is, is that, that I, you know, I, I really, I, need, I know, I know, I know, I know, I got to talk to her. Because women just have to have that. Don't they? Don't you? I'm going to get you a look, ladies. You can do this. Okay, make sure it's clean though, but that's a, so don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Um, number next, next one, I got to hurry up. I, 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 again, I enjoy stuff too much and y'all don't enjoy it. So not, it's this principle, it's not, don't listen to it, don't believe it. It's not a 50-50 situation, Okay. The Bible says it's man's responsibility to love his wife, Ephesians 5, 25, and it's a woman's responsibility, forgive me, to submit to her husband, Ephesians 5, 22. Uh, and very simply, this is not a dependent thing. This is not, if you do, I will. It's 100%. 100%, I'm supposed to love my wife no matter what. Amen. That's 100%. I'm supposed to love her if she never submits to me. Okay. I'm, I'm supposed to love her if she never submits. And, and then I don't have time to go. And this is home, folks, and hopefully you understand uh, what I believe about all that. It's, you know, the terminology, even the word is, is so anathema, you know, into, into today's society. But the simple truth is, is that I've got, I, I am to love her no matter what she does. And watch this. She's supposed to fulfill her responsibilities as a wife no matter what I do. That's 100-100. Give myself wholly to her. She's supposed to give herself wholly to me in what God commands us to do. It's 100% that we are supposed to do that. This 50-50 agreement thing that, you know, I will if you will, it, it destroys marriages. Because we're always trying to balance the scales. You didn't, so I'm not. Uh, that's just a terrible cycle to get into. All right. Uh, you, you get this principle under that. You can never delegate spirituality to another person. So you can't look at them and say, you've got to treat me right. You can't do it. You've got you to be more spiritual. You've got to love me more. You've got to do this. You need to do, you, you can't make them do that. The only person that you can so-called force to be spiritual or act spiritual is yourself. That's it. All right, number three, keep personal problems personal. Okay? Don't share your marriage problems with your parents, with your family members, or coworkers. Please, please listen to me here. Please don't share your problems, your marriage problems, with everybody else. Don't run home to mother. Okay? Oh, Belle, she looked. I know your daddy's preached this way, so don't look at me like that. 
Now, you got to understand this. Long after the problem is resolved, you know, you have this married couple and they have a problem. So Marco and Faith are having a problem. (laughs) And Faith goes running to her mama. I'm just giving you this example. It's it's never happened. I hope it hadn't. (laughs) They're looking at me like, you just went the wrong way. No. Now, Now, Faith goes running to her mama. Worse than that, Faith goes to her daddy. Okay? Understand me now. Young girls, you listen to me. Don't go to your daddy about your husband. Unless you want to visit daddy in prison. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't go there. Because, look, and here's what happens. You come, oh, my God, terrible. He treats me so bad. And, and daddy's over like, if I ever see him again, I'm going to rip his head off and spit down his throat. And you know what Faith now does? She goes back to Marco, and Marco comes and says, I'm sorry, baby. And Faith goes, it was me, honey. And all of a sudden, they're all snuggled up, and it's all wonderful. You know what's happening to us back at home? We don't know anything about that. We don't know anything. As far as we know, it's just as bad as she said it was. And it probably was. But, you understand? Don't do it. Don't do it. And watch this. Please, please, please understand this. When you go outside the home and go to coworkers and such, you're really hurting your spouse. Wait till they somewhere cross the path at some activity, some, maybe even maybe some coworker comes to visit church and they've listened to you talk about your spouse. You know what they do? They look at your spouse like, guy's got to be a dog. Now, you don't want to go there. Danger number three in this, sometimes when you're talking to coworkers and other people, you may cross over and talk to the opposite gender about all your terrible problems at home. That's incredibly dangerous territory. All right. And I've been, I'm supposed to be giving you verses with this, but uh, it, the Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Number, whatever number is, it is, maybe number four, live within your means. Uh, one of the number one causes of conflict and even divorce in homes is money problems. Live with the money you have. Can I beg you? Young couples, get this now. Uh, something happened, I don't know when it was, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, whatever, but the, 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 somehow the kids that started getting married uh, there, 20, 25, it, it was like they had to have instantly what mom and dad took 25 years to get. They had to have the house. They had to have the brand-new washer and dryer. They had to have the brand-new bedroom suit. They had to have the brand-new living room suit. They had to have all of these things and the incredible home, the the furniture, the car. I'm like, look, folks, I'm trying to think. 
I started to say, I've never, you know, I, what year it was when I got a new car. I just realized I've never had one. Okay? Never had a new car. And, and, and it, was, it was probably about 20 years into our marriage, 25 years maybe into our marriage, before I had one that was what you would call really, you know, close to being new. Uh, for, for our 10th anniversary, Joe Beth got a sofa sleeper. That was the first new piece of furniture we ever had. And it was so sailors could stay at our house and we'd have a place to sleep. She got for 10th. You know what she got on her 20th anniversary? A new sofa sleeper. <laughs> 2006, we moved into a house at Crown Point, And you know what I got her? Her first bedroom suit. You understand? 2006, we got married in 1978, and we got our first bought bedroom suit. Hello? What did you use before then? Something we bought at a garage sale? And it lasted a long time. And you know what? I think my, my little girl, Heather, out in, in, in uh, New Jersey, they do, they do trash picking because they got all these wealthy people around there, and the wealthy people just come out and put really nice furniture out on the street, and you just kind of sneak around there before, you know, anybody else, and you pick up. that Their whole house is outfitted trash picking. And she says, she says I know it's probably embarrassing to you. I said, Man, baby, thank you. Because you don't have to have something with a name brand label on it, brand new from the store, that you're going to have to pay on for the next 10 years. Live within your means. Uh, do not spend money you don't have. That's just a simple principle. Don't spend money you don't have. Fellas, listen to me. Don't carry cash in your pocket. I got cash in my pocket right now because I just got back from out of town. You know what? I'm telling you, don't come around me because I'm bad about this. I'll give it away. I never have cash in my pocket because I'm always giving it away. And if you don't give it away, you spend it. It's just real easy. Of course, I know you got debit cards now, so that is kind of, you know, same, same situation. But I'm just telling you, you need to do something to limit the way you just go, oh, give me, give me that, give me that, give me that, give me that, give me that. No, if you don't have it, don't spend it. I got two amens. Can I get another one somewhere? Don't spend what you don't have. Do not, watch this now, do everything you possibly can. Don't go in debt. Going in debt is bad. It's, it's, oh, it's just so easy to want that so bad and think, we'll be okay. We'll get this taken care of. And again, when that 18, 19, 20% interest, you, you never get it paid off. Uh, listen, fellas, when money comes in, pay the bills. This is one that's a bad one. God, you know, God is so good, especially young Christians, he will take care of your need, and he'll throw down, and bam, bam, here comes that money. Can I tell you where so many people get in trouble? They take that, and they feel like, wow, we can go out to eat. We can go get something I wanted. We can go get that Xbox. We can go get that TV. We can go get... No, God didn't give it to you that. He gave it to you to pay the stinking bill that you're crying about. Pay the bill. 
You cannot always, listen to this, you cannot always increase your income, but you can almost always reduce your expenses. And, and this thought, just get this please, more money will not solve the vast majority of your financial problems. More money doesn't, because all we do, when we get more money, we spend more money. Luke 12, 15 says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. It's not about what you can have. It's not about having the best of all these things. And it's amazing. You don't have to have. So many people I've counseled that they run into financial trouble and they run into financial trouble and I'll say, look, here, sit down here. We got this bill, this bill, this bill, this bill. Let's eliminate that. We don't need, we don't need that cable. That's $70, $80 a month. We, you don't need it. Oh, man, it's like convulsions. We, cable? And look, if you're going broke and can't pay your utility bill, get rid of the cable. Well, you know, it's just $70, $80. It won't pay my whole utility bill. It'll be $70, $80 more on your utility bill. Get rid of it. What are we going to watch? A book. <laughs> Each other. That'd be neat. Take a walk. Look at God's creation. Hey, find some way and watch this. You'll go through withdrawals, but after a little while, you'll, you'll start to think, oh, there's life outside of TV. Oh, I love the fact that I don't get any amens. All right, now. All right, number next. Get this from the very beginning. Get it now. Young people, get this now. Divorce is not an option. It's not an option. Now, please, when I say this, don't anybody get upset at me. Please understand, you cannot change the past. I'm not talking, talking about the past. I'm talking about the present. You can't change the past, but you can change the future by how you live the present. Okay, so let's just change the future. Don't look at the past and don't get down about it and, and don't, don't, oh, it shouldn't have been or this or that. Look, the past is the past. Let it go. We can't do anything about it. But we can do something about the future. We can do something about the future by how we live the present. Now, but for young ones, and we got to say this for young ones, please, you got, to, you got to get this in your head. You don't want to make this an option. Matthew 19, 8 says, He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the, listen to just this little phrase, but from the beginning it was not so. Next, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Another reason that we have conflict and and. And, and, and breakups and we have situations is uh, because we don't guard our heart, we don't protect our eyes, we don't protect our ears, we don't protect our mind. Amen. Now, just point blank, and I'm going to just make a couple statements here. Men, you need to learn to look away. Amen. Men, learn to look away. Young boys, learn to look away. You need to, uh, I, every, every boy that's ever dated one of my daughters, I, you know, we, go, we would go intentionally to go shopping. We would intentionally to go, uh, you know, uh, have them at the house or, or intentionally, you know, especially a lot of them would come over Thanksgiving when we would put on a, a football game for all the sailor boys. Well, 
I'm going to watch their eyes. I want to see what they do when the cheerleader gets thrown up there on the screen. Now, I have a guy there, every time we would have it on, I'd have a guy there with the remote control, and I would tell him, you got to switch that off. But, you know, some guy, he's eating his turkey, and he's doing whatever, and he's supposed to have the control. And then he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What I'm watching is the guy who's dating my daughter. Where is his eyes? Learn to look away. Learn to look away. Ladies, you need to learn to control what you hear. In a sense, look away from what you hear. You may hear sweeter words from a coworker or a friend than you do from your husband, but remember who you made your vow to. Now, all right. Now, the next one is this. Forget the past. Forget the past. Um, both in your own life and in the life of your spouse. Forget the past. It's amazing how all of a sudden you can remember things from the past that you thought were forgotten when an argument arises between you. It's amazing. You, you can start arguing about something way over here. It's, you know, it's, a, it's the fact that, you know, she ate the last bit of jelly. And you get an argument about it. Or why didn't you buy more jelly? Or, man, I just wanted a bowl of cereal and you didn't pick up any milk. How'd you, how, how could you forget the milk, Lauren? How? And you go through that. But, you know, you get involved in that argument and you get heated Oh, my goodness, we won't even remember it was about the milk. Boom, it's going to be about everything that ever happened since we met each other. It's even going to be about things that you remember it being me, but I wasn't the one you were dating then. <laughs> Been there? I look at her like, What? I wasn't even there. I never saw that movie in my life. What are you talking about, girl? Who were you with? It was you. I know it was. No, no. Wow. Man, we go off in all kinds of craziness. You know why? Because we've crossed over into we got to win the argument. And we bring up everything out of the past. I tell men all over the world, fellas, you just might as well accept the fact that your wife has the mind of an elephant. They say an elephant never forgets. And she never forgets. Amen. I didn't say the body of an elephant. I said the mind of an elephant. Now, Hebrews 8, 12 says, listen to this, it says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. Watch this. Will I remember no more? Now, if God says that to us, and I'm supposed to be more like Christ every day, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if I could get to the point where I remembered it no more? And the truth is, you have to do that for your own your own sake. I have to get to the point where I say, you know what, Lord, you've forgotten about that. It's about time I forget about it. You know what I mean? I got a lot of, maybe nobody else understands this, but yeah, I've already told you that, but it's one of the things that hindered me from, from thinking I'd ever pastor, especially in Memphis. I think it was Brother Bob I, I told you. you know, I mean, 
you know, I just figured, you know, the only way they were ever bringing me back to Memphis is in the casket. You know, I mean, because either that or I could only come back when everybody I ever knew was in a casket. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and it can beat you up and it can haunt you. And can I tell you what I had to do? I said, you know what? God forgot it. It's about time I forget it. It's about time I look back at old somebody and say, look, that don't have anything to do with me. That's not me. That's not me anymore. That was somebody way back there, and it has nothing to do with me anymore. And can I, can I tell you, that's why my personally, that nobody sitting in this room is limited. Because I can't believe, it. look, if, if anybody's in this room is limited, then I should be. I had preached to me one time, and it kind of got to me, but, but you know, it was preached that, you know, the things that you do in your past would limit what you could ever do for God. I walked up to the preacher afterwards, and I said, uh, how do you overcome that? And he's, his words to me were, you can't. Well, just shoot me in the head then. You say, how did you survive that? I'll be honest with you. I just decided this. God was doing some things with me in my life, and I, I figured, look, I don't know what I could have done, so I'm just going to do all I can do. And, and, and I may get to heaven and find out I could have done more, but I told everybody for most of my life, I've been too busy doing what I can do that I can't imagine doing more. So I might be limited, but bless God, I'm maxing out with my limitations. Right? Can I get an amen, somebody? I'm not going to finish my points. I see what I done messed up. I told you I was going to finish early. <laughs> Only if I quit. Uh, I heard somebody say something, but I'm not paying attention. Ah, now, compliment in number next, compliment in word and action. The word compliment can mean two different things. First, it can mean to say nice things to, to another. And, and we ought to compliment. We ought to compliment each other. I, I, I really, I complimented Mary Hart this morning. I said, you, you're really pretty for a fat lady. So the, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it can also mean to do something that helps the other person be stronger. To compliment them. Proverbs 15, 26 says, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination of the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. He says, As a finding pot for silver and as a furnace for gold, so is man to his praise. Boy, the same thing, the purification that the finding pot does for the silver and, the, and the, the furnace does for the gold, it does the same thing to a man. Praise. Praise does. Number next, I'm, uh, love one another. Love one another. Don't make your spouse earn your love or deserve your love. Choose to love. Love, get this, love is a decision. Love is a commitment. John 13, 34, 35, 
says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye, ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Wouldn't it be good if your spouse knew you were a disciple of Christ? And they could know by your love. And the last one, put God first. Put God first. Um, and put God first, uh, if I can explain this, God said in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his, wife, his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. You see, when they become one flesh, if I put God first, I don't have to ever think about, do, okay, where does my wife fit in the list? We are one under God. Just a couple, two or three things that I think might help you in, in putting God first. Uh, you, we need to make sure that we always stay under the blessing of God. If God's blessing you spiritually, blessing your family, blessing you even financially, be very careful before you change anything. Be very careful. I, I, I one time had a guy give, offer me um, uh, to double my pay uh, I was a college student, and they were going to double my hourly pay if, if I would just move to a different job. And I, and I looked at them, and I said, I can't do it. And they said, man, that doesn't make good sense. You're, you're not making hardly anything. We're going to double that. Uh, and they told me, you, you're crazy. I mean, and here's the words, nobody would turn this down. And I said, well, somebody will because I just did. And they said, why? I said, because God is blessing where I am. Be very careful not to move from the blessing of God. Number two, uh, three to thrive. Three to thrive. Uh, I hope that I would be a preacher that would be balanced enough that you would truly thrive. But three to thrive is an old statement from, from Dr. Lee Robertson from 50, 60 years ago. I'm not sure when he started using it. But that means Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Just come to church. Come to church with your heart open, your ears open, and God will do something in your life. You'll put God first. Uh, number three, make church your second home and the, and the people of the church your family. Feel comfortable. Every once in a while, people, you know, kids will start running in church and somebody will say, you know, don't, don't run. Don't. And, and really, you don't want them running all over. But the fact is, I always say the same thing to my wife. I say, I always feel a little bit good when I know that the kids are so comfortable at church that they feel like they can. Because at home, they run. And when they come here enough, they feel like it's my place. It's kind of home. And yeah, we can't let them climb up, you know, pull the curtains down, or, you know, the, or uh, I guess the camp, we don't have any curtains. Um, you know, we, we got to be careful. But the, but the fact is, is that I want them to feel like this is home. I just, I really do. I want them to feel like this is where I want to be. You know, fellas, uh, our, or ladies too, our wife or our husband can never be where they should be on the list until we understand that we are one flesh and they shouldn't be on the list at all. 
Uh, I, maybe this statement will help you. I made this many, many years ago. I kept hearing about the fact that I had to balance my home and my family. Balance them, balance them, balance them. One guy even got up and he had balls and he had written on there and he was a juggler and he had written on those balls, all these, you know, ministry and family and your wife and, and he started juggling them. He said, this is what you got to do in life. Well, no. No. God is first. Then you say, well, what comes next? Your ministry, your family, your... No, my family is my ministry. And my ministry is my family. And together, we can get a lot more done for Christ. So I never separated them. I never tried to organize them. I didn't say, well, no, I can't go work the ministry. No, we were one. And so there was no problem. I couldn't put her on the list. She was me. We were together. I'm not sure if I can even make sense of that or explain it to you, but I almost finished early. Uh, probably earlier than I have been finishing. I um, For young people, I just want to tell you, these are just some points. There's many, many other things. Uh, but you've got to Start preparing now for marriage. If you enter into marriage right spiritually, then you have a greater chance of that marriage in working out. For those that are married, there's no marriage that doesn't need work that we can improve in areas. So, I am... Um, I'll give us a moment of invitation. If we could all stand, we'll just have a moment of invitation. But here's be my, I guess, my invitation to you. If you're a young person, you're unmarried, you might take a few moments and say to the Lord, Lord, I pray that you're preparing someone for me. But more than that, I pray that you're preparing me for the person you have for me. If you're a married couple, it might be real good just to take each other's hand, kneel at the altar and say, Father, there's a lot of things involved in marriage. But above all, we need to have fervent love, fervent charity for each other. And Lord, help us to love and live by your principles. And, and we have some in here, and in the, in the, boy, I hurt, it's uh, some who's lost that spouse, but you still remain as an example to us of the way it's supposed to have been. The way it was supposed to begin. The way it was supposed to endure. And I don't even want to say the way it's supposed to end because it doesn't end. Never. We'll have a moment of prayer time and if and again if there's somebody even in salvation if you still struggle with that we never want to make light that we want to always you feel like you could come but she plays the altar would be yours if you'd like to come
we're going to, um, uh, I'll ask the men if you wanted to gather, and, and Brother Cummings, if you wanted to maybe go to the front pew there. We're going to gather and anoint Brother Cummings and pray, one, that, that God would remove the tumor and stop its growth and remove it. Then also to, that the Lord would uh, touch his lungs and help him to, to have uh, the ability to breathe in a better way. So that would be our primary prayer. Uh, I like this, and I, I have no idea. I've never checked. Uh, but do we, do we sell our sermon CD? We're going, uh, the first thing we're going to take a look at is just a tiny, a tiny little bit of a review. And that begins in verse 26. If you look at verse 26, it says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. You know, through the book of 